The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, like the great intro just said. I mean, I am always floored by that intro. It makes me feel like I'm doing a, you know, an MSNBC or a CNN news magazine show. But it's Sunday and it's a beautiful day out, at least here in Florida. I hope wherever you're listening, you're having great weather. Um, Bryn, my sidekick extraordinaire, needed a weekend off um, and I hope she is having an amazing time. So Chanel is playing triple duty. She's going to be looking out for you folks in Clubhouse, connecting us, and she's making sure that the stream is going live all around the world. Sheila's here again as our host. Welcome, welcome to both of you. Good afternoon. (laughs) So I have a couple of brief announcements before we get into the heart of the matter. It is award season at ACB. So you have until April 1st to send in your nominations for um, anyone that you think is a standout nationally who's doing work both on their local and state level as well as the national level. You can find all that information on acb.org and then scroll down so you see awards. Um, I will have Connie Sims and a whole host of folks Uh, next week, I believe, but um, they'll be here talking about voting and and the awards as well. Um, JP Morgan and DKM. Sheila, you wear a bunch of different hats. Is there anything you want to tell folks about JP Morgan and um, DKM? Well, the deadline is April 3rd, so they can apply for first timer. They can apply for JP Morgan Chase leadership, or they could apply for both. So we need some applications. We would love to have more applications. We like to have to make a decision, <laughs> an interview, and have a good time. So yeah, please get those letters in. And remember, you have to have a letter from your state affiliate or special interest affiliate president, not a chapter president. It has to be your state affiliate president. Yeah, and you um, you affiliates, you uh, special interest affiliates out there, this is the third year in a row that BPI is submitting someone to one or both of these um, very, very prestigious and wonderful award or uh, recognition, leadership development recognition. So, um, you know, GDUI, CC, LVI, Avia, all you, all you guys out there, if you see talent, um, reach out to those members and see if they're interested and uh, maybe encourage a little bit more. Also, <coughs> wow, excuse me. Also today at 4 p.m., the Multicultural Affairs Committee, um, Independent Diversity of California and Blind Pride International is hosting a listening session on police violence and brutality. 
Um, you can find the information for that on the various um, ACB lists. Click that Zoom information and please join us. It should be a really good conversation. Um, Chanel, Sheila, anything you guys want to shout out? Not that I can think of. Well, I just want to say about last night's karaoke, it was, as always, phenomenal. And next week on April Fool's Day is the theme Stretch Yourself. So if there's a fun song or a challenging song that you've always wanted to try, that's the week to submit it. You have until Thursday night to get your selections in to Cindy Hollis at community at acb.org. All right, let's bring on the main, or at least the first of the two main events. Welcome back to Sunday Edition, Janine Stanley. I, she dropped, she dropped off just a second ago. All right, I have to vamp. Sheila, what was your favorite song of the night last night? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> You're not putting me in that spot. <laughs> I just and I was the moderator for the first time in Clubhouse and I just sat back and let people come on stage and just really enjoyed every minute of it. It was a great night. I really did, too. And we had um, we had Tim and Cheryl Cummings as the guest facilitators, Tim in the first hour, Cheryl in the second hour. And that was a lot of fun, too. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dan and Leslie together. I love these guest facilitators. They make, you know, a, a nice little personal touch to to our uh, Saturday night date. <laughs> I'm pretty much there every Saturday. I know you're pretty much there every Saturday. I try to be. Mm -hmm. And Chanel Herbie's been joining the fray. What um, what do you think of the musical talent from from Herbie? <clears throat> oh, it's it's great. He's good. Not totally my music style, but it suits him well. <laughs> all uh, right your guest has just joined us again so right. janine is back janine welcome back to sunday edition hopefully whatever challenge you're having you are able to unmute and i am here i am <laughs> here finally thank you the wonders of technology and the live uh, media streaming. <laughs> exactly. And I do apologize. I'm coming through my cell phone. You would not believe <laughs> the fun I had trying to get in and get all of my equipment working. So uh, coming to you through my cell phone. So apologize for the audio. So have you gotten, um, have you caught up on your rest? <laughs> I, you know, I think so. That happened probably around maybe Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a week last week. Let's just say. I would imagine also getting back to the office, there was probably pile, well, you know, the virtual office, there was oh, probably piles of yeah. things that you needed to catch up on those first couple of days, Monday. Absolutely. Tuesday. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So tell us first um, about Iris Presence at CSUN. So we had a team there. I mean, an entire team. We had six people there. And we did this in part because on Tuesday, the 14th, we launched our brand new Ira Explorer app for iOS. Now, we launched the Android version back in February. I think it was like the last, next to the last week in February, I believe. Uh, and so we've got the IRI, I almost said IRS, good grief. I was doing taxes this morning. <laughs> That's almost not funny. Um, but we launched the IRIOS version um, 
now so they're both out there in the wild and that's why i'm here pretty much is to clear up any questions or make sure that everybody knows what to expect and we have an update already coming with features that people said they wanted during csun that we've been able to make happen so tell us a little about some of those conversations um i know we're going to talk a moment about the where you can find the information about your five minute free call um, yeah. on the Explorer app, but what were some of the conversations like from, you know, explorers that you got to meet at CSUN? Well, they were, they were really positive. It's always so much fun to meet our customers and, you know, actually meet people in person and hear their stories. But we also, I was surprised at CSUN and maybe this is my first CSUN, so maybe I'm, you know, not completely aware of what happens there, but there were a lot of actual companies who sent significant numbers of people to CSUN. Uh, met somebody from Chase Bank. We met people from Hilton Hotels. Um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing it on a, some of the others, but these were companies that were not exhibiting but they were definitely there and they were talking and talking to all of the different vendors about access. And many of them have created what they're calling innovation labs, where they can bring in products, they can test them, they can bring in focus groups, they can do all these things to see how the apps will work with their systems. And that's something Chase is doing. Um, but there were a couple more companies that were talking about their innovation labs, which I think is, that is a huge step in accessibility where they're bringing it in-house to say, hey, rest of the company come look at all this and see what we can do yeah um i know target was there as well um in that oh, yeah. <clears throat> doing a lot of um conversation a lot of research and a lot of conversation about their accessibility the accessibility of their website and really trying you know one of the things we're going to be talking about in the second era with david goldfield is um these chat bots and whether i know that there was some target conversation on whether or not a chat bot search system would be something that they should try to look for in the next couple of years you know try to work on in the next couple of months slash years oh, yeah. um, sneak peek for sunday edition listeners i'm gonna have envision glasses on in April, we haven't locked down whether it's going to be um, the 16th or the following week, but um, they're also integrating a chat bot feature into the Envision glasses. So I'm really excited to, to conversate with them as well. Yeah, uh, that was the one thing I didn't get to play with, Anthony. And you would think we are a partner of Envision. Did I get to play with that? No, I did not. <laughs> So what can you, before we get your general CSUN impressions, what can you sneak peek for us um, based upon some of the conversations that Ira had at CSUN? Oh, well, um, based on those conversations, actually, we were able to add, like I said, some new features to the app. We were also able to really define for people. Uh, we had a lot of people come up and say, well, one's... I were going to use AI. That's the first part of your name. And actually, recently, we have changed that a little bit. We used to say, <clears throat> pardon me, access to information remote, or I'm sorry, that's the new one. Man, too much caffeine this morning and too much taxes. So, um, but our AIRA used to stand for Artificial Intelligence Remote Assistance, and we changed that to access to information through remote assistance. And the reason that we did that is most of the AI that we use now goes on in the background. So it's 
things like scheduling agents, and we use AI to help us do that. Um, some statistical information, we're using some AI models to help us do that. And that really isn't customer facing. So let's change our name to what we actually do. And then we looked at, okay, well, how can some of these bots actually help our agents get you information faster? And that I think is where we're gonna be going with AI. And those were some of the conversations that we had. I, I, I have to ask because I'm sure there are plenty of folks out there listening, thinking to themselves, so could we, when we're scanning our mail or scanning documents for work, at some point, do you think it's going to grow to using the chat to the chat bot to give us like that summary that can then be emailed back to us to use in meetings or whatever we would I, need? To I work? think it I think it definitely will. If not on the IRA app, it will certainly on other apps. And then you can always use the live agent to double check because much, much as we love these bots, they're not perfect. And so being able to check or allowing the agency to use a bot to look up something quickly for you. Um, I'm doing a task on Canva. Can you help me? How do I do this? Well, right now they're Googling, Google ninjas. Man, I need to slow down. They are Google ninjas, but um, sometimes you don't quite know what you're searching for. And with a bot, you can use natural language and the bots are fairly good at figuring out what you're looking for in a particular uh, situation. So that may be something we might be looking at. Um, it's really hard to tell actually where we'll be going with it, but it's on our radar. We also wanna see what it's gonna help with in the background. So you and I had a bet this week um, about the five minute feature and Richard in California was the only person who sent in that question to sundayeditionac at gmail.com. Whenever you have a question for an upcoming guest and can't join us live on the program, you're more than welcome to use that email address and send us in a question. And Richard was wondering how can they, how can he find out how much, uh, when his next five minute call will be available? Aha, when that next five minute call will be available. Well, this will be changing in an update that is coming out early this week. I was gonna say tomorrow, but we're not sure it's gonna come out absolutely tomorrow, but it will be early this week. And we changed the position. So you can go to the usage tab at the bottom of your screen, just double tap on usage. It's the second one from the left and then tap in the middle of your screen. Just put your finger in the middle of that screen and voila, you will go right to your, when your next free five minute call will be. If you want to swipe from the upper left corner, it's gonna take two swipes to get there. But if you just put your finger in the middle of the screen like you would for the call button, and you are there and you can find when your next call will take place. Now, that's not written in stone. So if that doesn't work for people and enough of you say, you know what, I want it on the home screen. I would like it right above the call button or I want it you know, somewhere else. Let us know because with the new code base, we're able to fix that really quickly. Whether it's an iOS issue, whether it's an Android issue, it gets fixed across the board. So you know, let us know when this update comes out, if that works a bit better for you. So any interesting use cases that you got either out of CSUN or since the last time we've talked? Well, I think probably one of the most interesting use cases is with these AI kinds of bots, what if you had, what if you just weren't sure about what the AI was telling you and you could hit a call IRA button? 
and you could immediately get a human being and you could get an agent if it's a secure thing like banking, things like that, you know, would that be something you would use? So those are things that we were having conversations about. We were looking at to see, okay, how can we build our value into some of these bots? Um, and then there were just things that we said, wow, that's amazing. Like the OKO app. Um, I just heard from one of our customers that she used it on a nine lane road and it got her all the way across, including the middle island. And for those not familiar, OKO, I, oh, you guys have to get them on here. <laughs> they, <laughs> Next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, my gosh. Next week. It, yeah, it's the street crossing app, basically, that's going to tell you the status of the light. And I was just shocked at how accurate this thing is. Um, people are reporting, yeah, you know, certain lighting conditions it doesn't work in, like at night. But other times, it is stunningly accurate, all right on your phone, so there's no lag or anything like that. So I can't wait to get out there and try it out on some streets in downtown Columbus. We'll see how well it does there. I can't wait for you to try the crosswalk lineup um, because oh, it, yes. you know if you're veering out of the crosswalk and in, you know potentially into traffic. Um, and you know, I'm obviously here in Miami. I was in Washington D.C. for um, the leadership week, so yeah. I'm not really personally experiencing the nighttime issues. I think it's depending on how well lit the mm -hmm. uh, the uh, crossings are. But here in Miami and and in Washington D.C., we've We've had uh, really good, really good experiences with it. I had everybody or as many people as I encountered at leadership downloading it and giving it a try. So everybody oh, wow. next Sunday, um, Michael and Willem uh, from the founders of uh, of Elko will be here answering all our questions, walking us through and talking to us about how in some time with, uh, within this year, hopefully by midsummer, they'll also be adding the street sign, reading street, locating and reading street sign feature to Oka. Wow. Because wow. Um, street signs are, um, in Europe, they're all standardized. So mm -hmm. you basically have the same kind in Italy and in Switzerland. Um, mm -hmm. They're able to use that feature in Belgium and the and the countries that that's using Oco now in Europe. And they're figuring out ways to, uh, unfortunately, all of our street signs, if you go to, you know, New Orleans, it's all that old um, uh, ironwork. If you come yeah. here to Miami, it's the, the little thin strips. So they're trying to figure it out. And at some point they'll be beta testing that. So when they come on next week and they, they give out that beta testing information, please sign up. The better, you know, the more use case information we give them, just like Ira, Janine, right? The Absolutely. Yep. Safety product. So any other exciting Ira information that you want to share before we get Ooh. into peace on itself? Yes, I do. So in this new update, we also added the magic tap to end a call. That was something that everybody asked for. Give us the oh, magic tap. Thank yep. you. <laughs> yes, magic tap will be back. And when you attach something, if you start the call and you want to send your agent a message, you now have the choice to attach either a file or a photo. And what that means for iOS, because you could already do this in Android, but what it means for iOS is that you have a choice of your file manager or your camera role. 
And then the agent can return that file to you. It'll go right back to your camera roll. And that's great if they end up putting, let's say, a a photo description or if they end up titling the photo, whatever, that's going to go back into your photo uh, camera roll as the agent has modified it. So yay, that's uh, something people ask for immediately at CSUN and our our chief technical officer, he was there and he's taking notes and said, huh, we can get that done. That's not a problem. So yay. Right. So what I'm hoping, Janine, is, you know, a lot of a lot of us are not able to experience CSUN live and in person. You know, it is in California and Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, and it is a, a, an expensive proposition um some folks are lucky their companies will send them etc but could you give us a general kind of description like you know once you leave the hotel and go to you know walk through the doors the first can you give us a generalized description and then tell us some of the highlights that that you experienced sure well the hotel itself is um one of the marriott properties the anaheim marriott it is a huge hotel Uh, they do put out some information about the hotel this year, Good Maps had the entire hotel mapped. Uh, they had the exhibit hall mapped. And so people could use that to get around. They also have a number of volunteers who are just circulating, which is always good. Um, the conference has two parts. It first has the uh, main conference part with sessions and keynotes and all of that. And that is the part that you pay for. That's the expensive part. And then you have the exhibit hall, which you can get a free exhibit hall pass for. So your only cost is going to be traveling to LA and uh, staying, you know, wherever it is you're going to stay. There's a Hilton property across the street that some people stayed at. And so that's the two parts of the conference. And a lot of people just come for the exhibits. Now, um, in my mind, that's kind of a, it's great to do that if that's all you can afford, but the sessions are pretty amazing as well. And so there were, I, I was told because of course I'm in the booth and didn't get to go to them, but there are some pretty amazing sessions from this year by people like Amazon, Google did a session, even though they weren't in the exhibit hall. Um, so there are, uh, that's kind of the overview of the conference. The biggest thing, though, is the meeting and the socializing that goes on between sessions in the exhibit hall afterward. Um, APH has an epic party. I had to miss it this year. I was starting to get a migraine and thought, no, we can't have that. Um, (laughs) So I missed the epic APH party, but they usually have a great party. Vespero has a great um, party and time for people to interact. And so You've got that. um, There used to be more of that from the big companies. We're hoping that will come back at some point. But but for now, it was you would meet people in line at the restaurant. You would meet them. Oh, we're going out to dinner. You want to come with us? And there were places that you could walk to dinner at the conference. So it was just it was really a nice networking experience for me being a first timer. For those of us who are used to um, exhibit halls from either of the two conventions, uh, talk a little bit about the exi- the exhibit hall because, from what I've been told, it's a- a- incredible. It is huge. Okay, they usually have two ballrooms for the exhibit hall, and these ballrooms are big spaces that they can cordon off for different things, and. 
the one ballroom is smaller and there seemed to me to be no logic in where things were placed. But um, the big, they could have probably fit everything into the really big exhibit room. Um, the one thing that I found frustrating was that there was no mandate or no provision for booths having accessible uh, numbering and information. Like when you go to ACB, you're used to checking out the corner of that table oh, to find yeah. out, yeah, which booth you are and what the number is, but also what the company is. That didn't happen this year at CSUN. And I don't know that it happens routinely at CSUN. We put it on our booth because we knew it wasn't going to happen. And uh, we were actually in a corner, which meant we were a little bit easier to find. But um, Finding booths was difficult. Now, like I said, good maps, they map the whole hall. So you could use good maps if you wanted. I was rushing around and didn't really get time to play with it fairly uh, to give it a good go. But um, I know some people were using it quite quite well. And then, of course, you had your IRA agents. We did not cover the conference free, um, but a lot of people were walking around with vision glasses and you always knew that because you could hear the agent <laughs> as yeah. they were walking around. But yeah, I, I found the exhibit hall to be a bit baffling. Um, once I got a little bit of the layout, um, we were okay. And I got to see the things I wanted to see mostly, but in the 45 minutes that I had <laughs> to walk around. Um, but yeah, the exhibit hall was I was a little, I'm not going to say disappointed. I was a little surprised at uh, how it was organized. I heard, though, that the booths themselves were amazing. Oh, um, they were. They were. Oh. Some of them were like little mini uh, stores almost. With yep. You know, the amount of product that was out there, the way they had walls and TV screens yeah. embedded into I, I just I can't wait next year. I'm it's it's on my it's on my budget. I, oh. I really want to get out to see some this year. You definitely have to go because I'm sure I know Sony had their booth set up that way, as did I think Amazon. The really great thing though, Anthony, was getting to put your hands on stuff again. Now uh. copious amounts of Purell were used, but <laughs> you know, um, and, and it was such that by the time I got to, for example, the orbit. Uh, research booth everything the batteries had run down on <laughs> so <laughs> everything needed to be recharged but um it, it was so nice to actually be able to put hands on things to be able to play with things to see how they worked that was great i mean that was worth the you know dollar 98 Friends of the show, Mikey Wiseman made a joke. He said, by the end of the day, honey, I was telling everybody I'm wearing Ode to Lysol. <laughs> Mikey, you know the boys. Got that lemon smell everywhere. Yes. And the other good thing, nobody from our team got COVID unlike last summer. So, yay. I think we all left healthy. Thank God. So, you know, you already spoke to us a little bit about OCO. Um, was there anything else that you hadn't really heard of before or anything that, you know, really grabbed your attention that you might want to point our listeners towards? Oh, boy. Well, there was high tech and low tech. I'll start with the low tech. So Ambutech was there. And you think, what is a cane manufacturer doing at CSUN? Well, they have a couple new canes that I had not seen yet. 
And one of them is a cane with a spring in it. And they call it the no jab cane. I wanted to call it the jib jab cane, but it was called the no jab cane. And uh, I tested it. I said, okay, I have to see. And I ran into the wall with it and it did in fact spring, act like a shock absorber. Now it's pretty heavy, but you know, if you're out there using a cane, in the environments where you are going to get jabbed, it's it looks pretty sturdy and it looks really, really like it's going to do what it says it's going to do. They also had a new cane tip that was a 360 degree large ball that goes on the end of your cane, which is kind wow. of an all terrain. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, and they had a couple different cane designs. I'm still a, I love their um Oh, what is it called? The the really super light one that they have. It's really not good for outside use, but man, that thing is great indoors because it's super light. And uh, after two years of having to use it, um, <laughs> it, it sure was nice to get around the exhibit hall with a dog this year. Wow. Any exhibit hall. Um, and then to the high tech, the Braille displays the graphics, and I apparently did not see them all. I did not get to see the APH Monarch, and I really, really want to see that one. But I did get to play with the dot pad from Korea. Oh, oh Janine would love one. Can, you know, anybody just, um, it renders tactile graphics, and it's got a, a fairly large screen on it. It's probably the size of a... 15 inch laptop maybe, uh, but it's got this lovely screen that you can import graphics or you can actually draw on your iPad or your PC and send it over to the dot pad. And then you've got one line of braille at the bottom that you can also get text with. So that was really interesting. The kiosk that employs that technology to do a little map um, on the flat surface of the kiosk was really pretty amazing to me. Uh, and then, of course, the Orbit products. And they had actual working prototypes of the Orbit 340, which is three lines of Braille, 40 cells each. How badly does Janine want one of these? <laughs> Let's I, just I say... people. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, that was amazing. And they have the 520, which is five lines of Braille and 20 cells, which I'm thinking if you work in spreadsheets, that has just got to be amazing. So let's see what else. Oh, my goodness. Um, That was about all I saw. But there is so much there. I, I am always hearing new things from people who went and got a little more time to walk around the exhibit hall. But um all of the AI around, all of the AI that's being talked about, um, it was just incredible. And uh, I remember a quote, and those of you who have been around ACB for a while remember uh, Sherry Pomerantz. Um, Sherry said back in the 90s, early 90s, when the Braille and Speak was really strong and screen readers were everywhere before Windows came out, she said, it is a great time to be blind. And I thought of her at this conference and I thought, oh, Sherry, the things that you would be able to do with this technology would be incredible. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little story to share with you um, and we're going to start taking questions. So, folks, if you have questions about CSUN or Ira or anything, you want to say hello to Janine, let's start getting those hands up. But before I tell you my story, do you want to tell folks about um, this last week's Explorer call? 
Yes, absolutely. So the Explorer Call is out on our podcast feed if you'd like to listen to it. Our podcast feed is pinecast.com slash feed slash iracast. And that's A-I-R-A-C-A-S-T. So uh, Anthony, I will give that to you for your podcast show notes, but it is pinecast excuse me, pinecast.com slash feed slash iracast. And we went over uh, CSUN and we had Mike May as our special guest from Good Maps. And we talked a little about uh, what everyone looked at at CSUN. Troy was there, our CEO. And uh, Jody Barthel talked all about the uh, new Ira Explorer app. So it's definitely a really great Explorer call that you won't want to miss. So I wanted to share a quick little Ira slash Envision glasses story <clears throat> before we go to questions. I was at uh, Leadership Legislative um, Alexandria, D.C. last week, and um, Bodie, unfortunately, that's my guide dog. Bodie is not a I want to poop and do my business where everyone else poops and does their business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to find we need to find a spot <laughs> that he's comfortable in. And, you know, unfortunately, we have him on schedule all year long until we go to one of our various conferences. Oh, yes. And then inevitably, (laughs) about four o'clock, one of the mornings, I will start hearing the whining. The head comes on the side of the bed and I know, okay, I've got about five minutes to get myself dressed and out that hotel door. So here I am about 430 in the morning and we are down the block from the hotel and (laughs) I'm turned around. Uh, what I had been using during the day is there's a there's a train that um, that's behind not far from where from where the hotel is. So I was using that as my, you know, as my ear cast. Mm-hmm. So I turn around. I'm looking. I'm trying to find the hotel. I have thank God I have my envision glasses. And even though it's nighttime, there was fairly enough light um, that we could kind of figure things out. And I, you know, I also wanted to stop at the Starbucks. Hopefully I did not understand that, you know, unlike other Starbucks that one didn't open up until seven o'clock. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I get into the hotel and I, and, you know, I finally, I disconnect the, the call because I know where I am. I can get to the elevator at that point. And um, one of the desk clerks asked, you know, please, you know, do you have a minute? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So and she's, my, um, my, my aunt is in her 70s and she's losing her eyesight. She's very stubborn. She doesn't want to, you know, the same kind of conversation that we all end oh, up yeah. having. Um, <laughs> those glasses are amazing. I heard them telling you where to go. Uh, you know, so then I get into the conversation about what the glasses are, what Ira is, and she was writing down all this information. I got a beautiful email from her on um, Wednesday that she had had a conversation with her aunt and and she's going to start thinking about services and come to some of the American Council of the Blind calls. They made their first Ira call together. She was oh. so happy to have introduced her aunt to Ira. So I thought I'd share that. You know, you never know. Advocacy happens, you know, and uh, education and advocacy mm-hmm. can happen anywhere, even at 430 in the morning in an empty hotel lobby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that story. That is such a great story. I'm going to have to tell our agents about that one. That is so good. And yeah, hopefully uh, Bodie feels much better now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't understand. He's It's a couple of years now. He's used to it, but he'll hold it until he just can't hold it anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And and there it is, 30 in the morning. We got to find a place where he's, you know, willing to do his. Oh, uh, yes. Well, yeah. that's the other thing about, you know, when you switch coasts for conferences, my guy, Curtis, this is his second 
big conference and making that time change and that schedule adjustment was a little difficult. Let's just say I'm glad I have lots of bags in the harness pouch. Um, and we did not embarrass ourselves too badly. Um, and the Marriott has nice dog relief areas. Very nice. All right. So let's throw this open to our audience. Um, Sheila, do we have some hands? Yes, sir. John Gassman. Ah, back, John. Might have to find. There we go. Oh, there we go. All day finally worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And and met Janine for the first time. We've talked on IraCast a couple times and other things, but first time we got a chance to talk to uh, Janine. Larry and I were there at CSUN for the whole week and had a great time. You guys were like our first customers at the booth. That was so awesome. Well, yeah, that was Tuesday when we had time to do that kind of stuff. So oh, it was, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a chance to see a lot of things in preparation for other stuff that we're doing for, for tech shows. And uh, so I saw the uh, multi-line thing from APH, which is really pretty interesting. But it's, you know, mainly it's not for the general public per se, and it's going to cost a lot of money. So... Uh, when it comes out in a couple of years, but it's a great innovation and, and it allows you to really see graphics the way that they were meant to be seen. Uh, but I think one of my favorite things that I'm looking forward to when it comes out next year is the Optima, which uh, I don't know if you had a chance oh, to see that. Yes. Yes, I did. And once again, I'm lusting after that one. And I can't wait till pricing is available for that. That literally is a Windows 11 laptop with Braille that Orbit Research is doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they have two different, they're offering it with their Braille display and then the normal uh, Piazzo display, which is the one that I would get because it's quieter. And (laughs) for the work that I do recording, I, I... I can't. I couldn't do it with the the noisy Braille display. But you have your choice, and you can you can buy it based upon configurations. And then when new things come along, as they will through Intel, in a year or two, you can switch. You'd send the unit back in, and they would send it back to you. And they're they're vowing to make the price lower than note takers. So we'll see what happens when push comes to shove, and they are. Uh, building it but they really it really sounds like a a pretty interesting device and so i'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses as time moves along Uh, so yeah definitely same here i can tell you the 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 one part of about the conference that i wasn't too excited about and there's nothing they could have done about it was the fact that because of the heavy rain that we got tuesday and wednesday most of the receptions and or dinners uh, well, receptions basically were moved inside. So you had three or four hundred blind people in one <laughs> room in the yeah. in the foyer of each of the ballrooms, and that literally was like being in a parking lot. You couldn't move oh, uh, yeah. or eat or do anything. And so, uh, for me, I just had to you know do a quick bite to eat and get the heck out of there, and then go eat something at the restaurants later on. Normally, we'd be outside; the sound would dissipate, and it was fine. Uh, but we couldn't do that because of the cold and the rain. So inside we all were. And, you know, it's just one of those things you had to deal with. But it was such fun meeting people again and getting a chance to talk to people from different groups. And uh, I I loved it. I've been going, I think, nine, eight or nine years straight now from the San Diego days. And then earlier, back when it was in L.A., I went a few times. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I'll I'll try and go every year as, I can, as much as I can. Of course, I'm, I'm 20 minutes away from the Anaheim Marriott. So I love it. <laughs> 
Awesome. So it was. It's it's a great great atmosphere, and for those who are going to the conventions this summer, you'll have a chance to put your hands on all of these uh, mm-hmm. items, and you definitely should take advantage of of all of that. Yep. Were there any breakout sessions that stood out to you, John? Um, you know, the main, a lot of the main stuff that they're talking about, I mean, Vespero's talking about it, Envision is talking about it, everybody's talking about AI with GTP and how that might influence their products in the coming years. I really, uh, who was it? I, it might have been Ryan Jones from Vespero who said that he thinks in the next two to three years, the face of technology as we now know it is going to be completely different based upon what AI and GTP can bring to the table because everybody's looking to see how it will affect their products and, and make them even better. And uh, if you go, if right now, for example, you know, we've, we've talked about IRA and how they might utilize it. Uh, Be My Eyes has built a GTP uh, add-on to their products and they're working with uh, Envision to put yeah. them on the glasses. So, I mean, people are getting together and making use of this technology now. Uh, and while it is very positive in most cases, it, it can have some negative impact depending upon how they use it. And that's another story that has already been discussed on, on ACB. But it's going to be very interesting to see how that progresses in the next few years. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to some of the podcasting around the New York Times reporter who was playing with the dark side of of the chat GPT. And, um, you know, there are some ramifications that, that you got to have to worry about, but we're going to be talking a little bit about that with David Goldfield in the second hour. John, oh, thank you so much. Um, and look out for Envision. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be April 16th or the following week, but um, they're going to be here to talk about chat GPT going into the Envision glasses as well. Very cool. I was on with them as part of a panel on Friday when they were at the San Francisco Lighthouse and we were talking about employment. It was, if you get a chance to hear that through one of their podcasts, if they release it, I would encourage everybody to to do that. It really turned out to be a a great afternoon and Mike May was there. I was there with Troy and uh, Be My Eyes was there. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, if you if you catch that, if the if the link comes along and you catch it before I do, please send it to me. I'd appreciate that. I recorded it, so I'll have to send it to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not All charging right. anybody. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How many hints do we have? Just one. All right. Let's take that. And then we'll see if there's anything in Clubhouse. Um, no, there's not at this time because um, I can Got tell you there's point. not. All right. There's another John. So please unmute. Audio now. Okay. Here. I think I'm unmuted here. You are. So, so I was thinking that in addition to the glasses would be that okay app that you were talking about that that those two would seem to uh, work together very well if you could do that if it, now i know that's you know not something i could do but but that sounds like a really good combination you think when they came to Miami to beta test it here, um, I had that conversation saying, you know what, if you can innovate this onto the Ira glasses, I mean, onto the Envision glasses, um, you know, and reach out to Apple when that Apple glass comes out, make sure that whatever coding you need, that the app works through the Apple glass as well. So yeah, that conversation is already, they're already big time looking into it. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, and- that's great. Yeah. And I can tell you, John, that one of the probably the only drawback to having that on the Envision glasses is the camera in Google Glass is not that great. And That's so, right. I've, I've yeah. discovered that. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, I've been, I, lo- I love the Envision glasses, but the camera leaves a lot to be desired. And yeah. I, whether that can be fixed or 
or you know modify well, but i would you know. say stay tuned to envision and their uh webinars and things like that because we also heard that google glass enterprise is no is no more or it will be no more soon yeah they're they're looking at alternate um alternate ways to continue envision but we have been assured that there will be you know technical support etc that want you know the envision product as it is now isn't going to cease um they'll continue to to be able to work so you know those of us that have put quite a bit of money into it um can take a big you know breath of relief our glass you know our current glass will still work and they're looking at how to move the company and product forward janine did we lose you all right. I think we might have lost Janine. Um, Sheila, is David? No, she's here. Here I am. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, somehow I was unmuted. That was weird. Anyway, um, but yeah, I would trust the Envision folks to keep keep going forward and keep supporting their customers. So just keep following them. And yep. I'm sure they will have something soon. But John, that would be an awesome addition to, you know, any kind of hands-free situation. And John, yes, Anthony, to answer your question, yes. Audio now, audio yeah, yeah, that that that's kind of what I wanted to uh, to 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 ask exactly. Have you used the Oco app on your on your iPhone yet? No, I have not. Uh, I because I, I I'd never heard of it up until now. But I I, I may poke at it and see what. Yeah, it if you type OKO into the App Store, um, you know it'll say OKO application for the blind or something to that effect. Um, and then go try it out, and please come back next Sunday and and hear all about it. Okay, great, thanks. Thank you so much. Any other hands, Sheila? No. All right. Well, Janine, I want um before we transfer before we transition over to David, I wanted to ask you again. Um, can you go through with um let me rephrase that. Can you give us some tips on how to maximize your IRA experience? Let's say mail shopping and navigation. What are some tips for you to be ready before you click that button? Sure. Well, I would say no. Janine, I am uh -oh. so sorry. Yeah, she's muted. Okay. Somebody there keeps we them go. Yeah, it's, it's my <laughs> fault and I apologize. No, somebody keeps them muting and I keep muting them and accidentally do, uh, Zoom is acting really crazy today. So. Yes, Zoom has a mind of its own today, I have to say. But I would say, first of all, to maximize your experience with an agent, know what you want to do first have all of your materials where you, you know, where you're going to be working. Uh, we have a lot of people who call in and say, oh, I want to read this bill. Oh, wait, I have to go find it. You know, so have everything ready. Um, in the case of navigating, uh, you know, have some idea where you want to go and understand that your agent is going to use a combination of your GPS signal, maps, everything. And if you are using the Envision glasses, there is an app called What Three Words. And what this app has done, they have divided the earth into nine by nine foot squares. And each of these squares has been given three random words. And those words stay the same no matter where you're at. You can pull up that app because the Envision glasses don't have a GPS receiver. So the agent can't tell where you are. Now we're working on that with Envision, but um, the one thing that you can do is to go ahead and 
pull up the what three words app, give the agent your position with the three words, then they can pinpoint you on the map. And you can keep using what three words to kind of catch up your position to the agent so that they can tell where you are, if you've moved away from where you need to be on track, et cetera, et cetera. So what three words, completely accessible, um, great app to use. Some of the three-word combinations are hilarious, but um, <laughs> uh, but those are some tips. And I have to say, Anthony, I felt like I was meeting rock stars at CSUN. I got to meet Amos Miller, who is ah. the creator of Microsoft Soundscape. <laughs> and wow. Janine blithered like an idiot going, I love Soundscape. Please bring it back. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been the same way. <laughs> yes, yes. And he said it will be coming back in some form, but he's working on another really interesting project that I can't talk about, but uh, which will be uh, Amos's greatness will be shown again when this product comes out. And I met Krista Earle, who I, I bought her stuff back in the 90s for tutorials for Word and uh, office products and things like that. And it was so fun to actually get to meet her after all these years. You know, so I'm going to two things, please, if you ever get the opportunity, um, introduce me to Amos through email. Yeah. I've, I've reached out <laughs> twice to, to have him come to Sunday edition. Um, so maybe a personal invitation, maybe a personal uh, friend. in. Uh, you know, I can make that happen, Anthony. <laughs> I would love that. Um, but you know what? I also thought of one of my own use, Ira Case. I have never heard of what three words. I will be downloading that as soon as uh, we're done with this with this show today. But um, what I did when I was going to my family in Virginia Beach, I called uh, Ira before I left and I asked yes. if, they could, if they could tell me about the Norfolk Airport and the area, um, you know, if they could help me identify where the Uber would be. And that way, because I would be using my Envision glasses when I got there. Mm -hmm. That way I had all that information in the Ira Dash and in an email. I made them send it to me just in case because I'm, you know, yep. OCD and anal retentive. So <laughs> I get it in two different places in case the information couldn't be pulled up. And I navigated through the Norfolk Airport all by myself. Um, I'm still not at the point where I can navigate through Miami. We, you know, there's construction going on on the the link, you know, the little train. Yeah. Thing. I, I'm I'm not attempting it yet, but on the smaller airports, I did Charlotte. Um, I did Liberty in in Newark. So I'm I'm getting really really excited about getting through airports without having to have oh. that person lead well, me to bed. You know, when when you can get through LAX, Anthony, uh, you will be my hero because ah. Uh, that was an absolutely atrocious experience, but, you know, I don't think it could have been any better using an actual person. So <laughs> it's not my favorite airport, but um, yeah, I love that feature. And you can call ahead and put any airport that you're going to be going to in either the notes section of the dashboard, or you can put it up in your profile. I have a mall that I go to a lot. It's up in my profile. I have all the stores marked that I like. And so the agent can just pull that up and say, oh, okay, you're here. All right, go here. And that's great also. Yeah. All right. Well, Janine, thank you as always. Hopefully we'll speak to you in a few weeks with some more exciting updates. And um, you have a beautiful rest of your Sunday. Yeah, you too. And thank you for having me, despite all of the computer trouble and scary audio. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great day. All right, folks. Welcome back, Mr. David Goldfield to Sunday Edition, friend to the show. We're so excited to um, pick his brain again today. Hey, David. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for having me. 
anytime you want if there's something you want to talk about you've got an open invitation but i reached out because there's a lot of stuff going on um and i'm gonna throw it to you where do you want to start with or what do you want to start with oh i don't know like you said there is so much going on and janine has already covered uh, a lot of it obviously the big buzzword in tech both in the blindness uh space and in the mainstream space is AI. It has really captured everyone's attention, not only the users, but tech companies. They're like, they're like the way we were as kids when you see this new toy on the TV commercials and you're like, oh, I got to have it. Can I have it? I want it. I want it. I want it. And they really do. And the tech companies can afford it. And so we're seeing it used in so many ways that I think are benefiting everybody, um, in, including in very unique ways, blind people. Janine already touched on it. And, and I, think, I think she's right uh, in that, you know, we're, it, it's just going to continue to grow. And I think it could benefit us in ways that um, probably none of us can really predict at this point. I'm glad to know, uh, because I didn't know this, but I was glad to hear that Vispero is at least talking about how to incorporate it. Um, I have wanted to see it in screen readers for a while. And I'll, I'll tell you something. I had a really interesting conversation. This was back in 2002 with my sighted brother-in-law who's not even an expert in blindness tech, but he is an expert in tech. He's, he's brilliant and he's been working in it, uh, I don't know, probably since his late teens or early 20s. And um, back in 2002, I was showing him Jaws and he said, and this, you know, this is way ahead of his time. He was saying, why can't Jaws use AI yeah. to be able to tell you what kind of control you're pointing to. Um, and he wasn't even talking about apps because we didn't even have most of the smartphone technology. He was, was just talking about yeah. buttons and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's funny that he brought this up back in 2002 when that technology probably couldn't practically be used, but but now it conceivably could be. So let's segue. Um, let's segue to the chatbots and and um, some of the you know uses that we can envision right now, and some of the things that we know can come, but are going to come. But before we we actually look at use cases, I I thought if anybody could give us a bring it to the user friendly. Um, definition of how it all works, it would be you. Um, so what is a large language based chat model? Give us give us the, the layman's definition. So bear in mind, I'm not an AI expert. Um, so I, I but what I what they basically do is these these chat bots have been fed um, a lot of data from a lot of different sources and you can then ask them questions or ask them to uh write 
something for you with a certain style and it will take what it knows and try to answer those questions or try to meet those challenges and uh, it can be very basic questions uh, when chat gpt was first released at the end of november um, blind people on mastodon were just going crazy with it and giving it all kinds of silly challenges um but interesting to see what the responses were like you know write a presidential platform in the form of a shakespearean sonnet um <laughs> things that would have no practical value but but because it knows what a shakespearean sonnet is and it knows what a what a platform is for a particular party, um, it can try to emulate that. And um, I, I think that, um, you know, Microsoft, which has given a lot of money to OpenAI, which is the company that uh, is, re has released ChatGPT, uh, Microsoft is now putting that in a lot of their own products, like the Bing search engine, and soon it's going to actually come to the Microsoft Office product. So with the Bing search engine, you know, with search engines, the way they've always worked is you enter a term like, you know, Anthony Corona Sunday edition. If I wanted to look up that show because I wanted to find it or find out when it was on and the search engines are able to access websites and give you quotes from those websites that hopefully pertain to what it is you asked for. And most of them can do it fairly well. Um, but what the new Bing chat can do is you could ask it a question like, um, is there a show run by someone named Anthony Corona called Sunday Edition on ACB Media. And rather than just quoting different websites, it can go through the data that it has plus the web, and it can answer that question in very simple terms in natural language and say, Oh yeah, Anthony Corona is this this guy, and uh, he does this show on ACB Media called Sunday Edition, and you can hear it every Sunday at 1 p.m. And here's the link that you can get more info. And what it's also doing, which is very good, is that it is giving you lists of links so yeah. that you see the source material that it's getting it from. Um, unlike ChatGPT, where currently isn't always showing the source material and uh, that can be problematic. Um, so it, it's a way of, you know, you'll be able to communicate with it in natural language and you'll be able to, you can ask it follow-up questions and it will know what you're talking about and provide more detailed information so bing chat is currently out and it's it's pretty amazing yeah i saw um a demonstration or heard a demonstration with um bing chat 
and they were asking for recipes. They started out asking for recipes because, you know, you go for a recipe and you get all of the ads that pop up. You get all of the, you've got to keep swiping past all of the extraneous, you know, information that's not directly involved in the recipe. And a lot of times yeah. they also want you to click something to go to someone's blog. Um, and so yes. they were, you know, in, in real conversation, you know, these recipes were coming down and then they were talking about it from the educational space um, and highlighting the fact that you can you can see and or find for those of us who, you know, who are blind and low vision, you can find the source material so you can go back and do a deeper dive on the pieces that actually are, are pertinent to what you're looking for. So this is going to revolution revolutionize the education space as well. Yes. Yes. And, and I think for us, it's going to revolutionize things again in ways that we're seeing now and in ways that possibly I'm not even thinking of. Uh, and one thing that you can do, which, you know, Be My Eyes is already uh, experimenting with this. It's in beta and uh, you can do it uh, with chat GPT is to get visual descriptions of things. So um, I was asking it things like, and I wanted to give it a question that I knew. So I asked it, give me a visual description of Ernie from Sesame Street. Oh, and yeah. Or you, or you could say, you know, explain, how would you explain to a blind person what so-and-so looks like? And it it can it can do it in with with a lot of with a lot of detail. Um, I I'm a little cautious with it because we do know that ChatGPT uh, can have a tendency to, uh, for lack of a better word, make stuff up, um, which it it has been caught doing um but i think it's it's only going to get better about that as the companies that produce it train it more and teach it more just as when we have kids you know sometimes when kids don't know the answer to stuff they just make it up and eventually we kind of give them more information and we kind of train them and hopefully say hey you shouldn't really be making stuff up if you don't know the answer and as hopefully as we you know grow up and we get older and a little wiser and we keep getting more data into our own heads um we are do that less and less yeah 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 and what there's what they're telling us the more that these models are used the 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 more for lack of a better way of putting it smarter they're going to become and more personalized they'll become um almost like the same thing as neuropaths in your brain. Once they do certain things a certain amount of times, they're going to skip a lot of the randomized data and become more targeted the more uses that they get. Um, so it's going to continue to learn as well. Am I reading that right as, as the way the model works? Uh, I think you are right. And I think that's also the answer to the problem of what we what we are now hearing about with today's voice assistants, I'm going to try not to mention the names, but the uh, Amazon voice assistant and the Google assistant, 
um, and particularly Siri, but even with Amazon and Google, which are pretty good um, even now. The problem is that, and I don't know if you heard about this, um, Amazon recently kind of publicly said, oh, by the way, we are losing lots of money on Alexa. And I was not at all surprised um, to hear this. Uh, not, not, not at all. Um, but they, they're, you know, Amazon is, you know, they, they sell a lot of them and people like them, but Amazon is not in the business to make cool stuff. They're in the business of making money on people buying cool stuff. And um, people are buying it, but they're not, uh, they're not, uh, there aren't a lot of third party options that make Amazon money the way that Apple can make money off of the App Store or yeah. services. And um, Amazon's kind of in a bind because they've got this really cool voice assistant that everybody likes and everyone's buying it, everyone's using it. And it's really good, but they're not making money off of it. And I think they want to. And I think that that is going to be the answer. We've already heard rumors that Apple is working on building some AI into Siri, which Siri desperately needs. Absolutely. And I, I think you're going to see Siri improve as a result of that. Um, I think the biggest challenge, though, is our privacy concerns, especially with Apple. Apple's very big into privacy. They don't like a lot of data leaving the user's device. And with the way I, uh, AI works is a lot, of, you know, you have to communicate with the AI in the cloud. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, you put out a lot of information and we're gonna get dumb. We're gonna get to how to sign up to your email um, later on, but is there, is, so for someone who has not used the chatbot at all, is there a one way of accessing it that you recommend? What's the best, you know, let me get to know this, um, use. Probably, um, I would say at this point, and if you would have asked me this, even, you know, maybe three or four weeks ago, I might've given you a different answer because obviously things are changing. Um, but I think at this point, since it's free and it's pretty good, even though this is still in a test phase, I would say try the Bing chat from Microsoft. So Bing is sort of Microsoft's search engine. It's been around for a long time. It was their competitor to Google. And I think until recently, People really didn't care about Bing. Um, everybody always used Google. That was the big deal. Well, right now, Bing Chat um, is available for uh, as a test uh, product, and it's free. And it used to be that you had to be on a wait list um, to use it. Now you don't have to be. Um, they've recently changed it where it might say, oh, you need to be on the waiting list. But with a lot of people, as soon as you click the button or select the button to go on the waiting list, it says, oh, you're in. So they're really opening it up to more people. So the, I believe the way you can get to it 
is just to go to chat.bing.com. And um, you may have to sign in with a Microsoft account. I think most people probably have one unless you use a Mac and don't use Office. Um, but I haven't checked the requirements for that, but they may want you to sign up with a Microsoft account, which is similar to, you know, an Apple ID um, and, or, or a Google account. And um, you will find an edit field where it will say, you know, chat or ask anything. And then you can just ask your question, press enter, and it's working really well with screen readers. Uh, so if you use it in Windows, um, you'll have to wait about maybe 10 seconds because your answer is being sent to the cloud. Um, so this is not happening on your computer. It's being sent online to the internet and then it has to process that. So there is a little bit of a delay, but you will hear the response and then you can use your screen readers navigation commands to then review it. And you can hear the links, you can see the links that it found um, as its sources. Now, the one thing I will warn you, at least um, in, in Windows, is that those links are not being, uh, they're not coded properly. So instead of hearing the word link, and then the actual link name, you just hear it as text. So you won't initially realize that it's a link, but it is. And if you press uh, the space bar or enter, it should open that. So you can actually see the material that, uh, that Microsoft's Bing chat is referencing. So you could do that. There's also an iOS app, but I haven't used it. I've heard it demonstrated and it does work but I've primarily used it in Windows. Uh, okay, we had gotten a question via email from Lori who couldn't be with us um, that you had mm. put out a shortcut to access the chat mm. for iPhones. Um, and she wanted to know if you could give us that information again. Um, is there any way you could put that back out through your email, um, your list? Um. I can find it. I that sounds. I don't usually submit things more than once on the Tech VI list, um, but um, it's me. I'll send it to her directly. Yeah, yeah. Um, there. Yes, I, I'm now remembering this. So there is, and I haven't done it myself, but yeah, there is a shortcut, and there are several articles that you can search for to find this but with the iphone there's a shortcut that can actually kind of sort of replace siri so instead of going through siri you're going through the bing chat um it was a little it seemed a little bit involved to me uh but i haven't actually done it um so i you know, I, I send a lot of stuff out on that list. It doesn't necessarily mean that I've personally used it. Um, although if I know that something is not accessible, I won't send it out. Um, and if someone tells me that, hey, what you just sent out, it has some major accessibility issues, I'll write a follow-up on it. But yeah. um, 
yeah, if, if you were to go on a search engine and write something like um, how to replace Siri with chat GPT, you will probably find tons of articles on it, including possibly the one that I had sent out. But I can try to find it and, and send it to you. Awesome. So we're going to take questions a little bit later on. Um, before, I want to segue into Mastodon in a moment or two, but you know what? It, this actually brings up a question from, from my own personal. Um, do you use this, Do you use shortcuts often, and what are some of your favorite shortcuts through, this, through Siri? Um, I use a few, but I am not a shortcuts power user and i probably should be because you can do so much with them um i mean one of them that i've used uh that you can just enable through the ira app because i am an ira user yeah it's, is, I am <laughs> yeah yeah iris great by the way and i i can relate to so much by the way of what you and janine were talking about because i've used it um for um navigating airports and navigating you know hospitals and other big environments and i much prefer using ira than asking a human volunteer who works there for assistance it's it's just it's great yeah. it really is um so you can set up a shortcut that just i think you can say something like make a call with ira and that will that should immediately trigger the IRA app and and start the phone call, so you don't even have to, you know, find the button to to call it. Um, there's also uh, an app that I've used from Comcast. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I do work for Comcast, um, but I'm not saying this uh, to turn it into a Comcast advertisement. But there's an app that I use. Uh, from them called uh, Stream, which is where you can, you know, access all of your the channels on your TV package and your DVR, and it will even through the app allow you to set up shortcuts uh, for any show that you're interested in. So you can once you set that up, you can literally just say the name of a show that you want to watch. So I could, you know, say to Siri. Babylon 5, and it would open up um, the stream app and put me right on the Babylon 5 show page. So those are some of the ways that I've used it. But again, I admit I don't use it very much, uh, but there is a lot you can do with it. And that really helps to compensate for some of uh, series current issues, uh, which there, there are many. Mm -hmm. And uh, the shortcuts really help to give Siri a lot of smarts uh, behind the scenes. And they're they're really, really good. And they're really powerful. Well, folks, for, for those of you who have reached <clears throat> out with, um, with Siri shortcut um, questions, I am going to put together a show in April. We'll, we'll talk about creating shortcuts and some of the great uses. Um, Darcy from the community put together a great one for those of us that volunteer. Um, we ask for our assignments uh, and it'll give us what, where we need to be for the week. You know, I'm facilitating Sunday edition for two hours on Sunday at 1 PM. I'm streaming the daily schedule on Wednesday at 9 AM, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, I I use it also to to get to like I screenshot information a lot. So I have an I have a Siri app that will take me to my last screenshot. Um, and then I can feed it to Ira if I need the visual information, et cetera, et cetera. But okay, let's um let's transition. The last time that we spoke in depth, we were talking about Twitter and Mastodon. So I want to ask you, you know, we were we were at the I don't want to say the dawn, but we were at the beginning of of Mastodon really kind of taking it taking a market share, taking a real um, you know, slice of that apple. Uh, how are you feeling about Mastodon now? How are you feeling about Twitter now? Um, you know, and if there are some, you know, some things you want to update us on since the last time we spoke. Yeah, a lot has happened since we last talked, which I think might have been in November. It was or, late November. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know we were all, we meaning, you know, we had a panel. It was me, uh, Michael Deweese and uh, Jeff Bishop, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, we were all trying to maintain a pretty balanced posture about Twitter and to say, look, you know, let's not assume the sky is falling. And, um, you know, Mastodon was, was great even back then, but let's just kind of wait and see what happens. Well, we've done that now and um, a lot has happened. And unfortunately, it's not been good. So on the positive side, uh, and I'll start out with with being positive here. I mean, Twitter is still here. Um, it has not fallen apart at the seams. I'm sure there are people who will disagree with me. Um, it may be falling apart at the seams, but it has not totally fallen apart. It's still being used. It's still a, a good source of information because the fact is most mo most of the big players and you know news and journalism are, are still there and they're likely going to be there um, until there's a, a really good reason why they shouldn't all of the big companies uh, that produce products and services are there including all of the blindness assistive technology companies and so it's still a good way of interacting with them and following them and receiving information. And um, there are still blind users on Twitter. And it, it for for many, it's um, still a place that they find to be of value. And I'm glad for that. But since we've uh, last talked, because I don't think this happened when we last met, I'm, I don't remember. Um, Elon Musk has fired um, the accessibility yeah. team. That was after, yeah. Yeah, now that's, a, that's very troubling because even, even in today's times where companies are engaging in a lot of layoffs, including tech companies, um, which probably we never thought we would see, um, accessibility is still positively regarded. Um, it's still something that companies are expected to honor companies, many of them legally have to, and most of them do. And if a company were to say, we don't really care about accessibility, 
that would really hurt them. And in my opinion, uh, although Elon Musk has not said that, um, his actions, in my opinion, have. Uh, This is all my opinion. So I just want to, I guess I should at this point insert a disclaimer saying that, you know, uh, opinions expressed on Sunday edition do not necessarily represent those of the American Council of the Blind or its officers and affiliates. So this Thank is you. all coming from me. And uh, but in my opinion, um, uh, Elon Musk has made a powerful statement by uh, removing those people, because what those people are tasked to do and what an accessibility team is tasked to do is to make sure that the product or service from that company is accessible to people with disabilities, regardless of you know screen readers, low vision, um, switch devices, you know what whatever product it is for people with any disability, it's got to it's got to work. And how those teams do that depends on the company, but they they're you know Twitter had a, a very dedicated uh, group of people. And uh, they're, as far as we know, they're not there anymore. Um, he also has publicly taunted a former employee, uh, or at least an employee who he was in the process of terminating, um, who had a disability. Um, this is very problematic. And um, so to me, it is it does not feel like a welcoming place. Doesn't mean the people on it are not welcoming, but it kind of feels to me as though Elon Musk is saying, I don't really care about the needs of people with disabilities. I'm not interested in them. I'm just trying to uh, make a profit. Um, the other thing that's happened since we last got together, and this is a big deal for a lot of people, particularly some of us who are visually impaired, is that most of the third-party apps have been cut off. Yep. So in plain English, what that meant was that before, even when I was last talking to you, If you wanted to access Twitter, you could do it by going to twitter.com or you could use the Twitter app if you wanted to. But there were also other apps written by third parties that allowed you to access Twitter in ways that perhaps might have been a little nicer and um, uh, with a cleaner interface. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. More customized as well. Yeah, more customizable. I'm I'm thinking particularly of an app that I used to love called Spring. I like so. Yeah, Spring was like to me, you know, the Twitter app because it had a lot of customizations specifically for voiceover users. So all of those apps are cut off, which means now if you want to use Twitter, you have to use their app, or you have to use their website. And um, I always said, if the developer of Spring could make a Mastodon app with Spring's features, it would be the star of the show for me. And that's exactly what has happened. So we, we can talk about that. So b- 
between removing the accessibility engineers and um, access with third-party apps, Twitter, to me personally, no longer feels like a place that I want to go to. So I, I don't post or submit any material to Twitter. Um, having said that, I still want to reiterate something that I think we said the last time I was here, which is if you have a Twitter account, even if you feel that you're never going to use it again, I yep. would advise people not to get rid of it. Um, I know some people have already done that, but the problem is um, I have a couple of reasons for advising that. Um, first, Elon Musk isn't necessarily going to be there forever. And, um, you know, if he doesn't destroy it completely, there may come a time that he will just not want to uh, not want to run it anymore. And it could wind up in the hands of someone else who can behave more responsibly. And maybe then we'll actually see Twitter turning around and having accessibility engineers and third party apps may come back. Um, I doubt that will happen soon, but it could. Um, so that's one reason. And the other reason is that once you delete your Twitter account, it can be claimed by someone else. And then yeah. they could use it in ways that you may not like. And it could be very hard to do anything about that. So I personally don't want to remove my account and then find out that uh, the handle at David Goldfield is being used by someone else that I might not approve of. Um, unless it's the uh, Civil War historian. There's actually a Civil War historian named David Goldfield. He's no relation to me at all. Um, I would love to meet him just to go up to him and say, hey, hi, I'm David Goldfield. How are you doing? Um, but uh, there aren't a lot of us, but there are some. And, you know, if he if he took it, I don't care. But um, so you, you, you want to be careful of of that. So I am not deleting my account. I just I don't use it very much. Um, and maybe they'll, there will come a day that I'll change my mind. But for the moment, I am all in on Mastodon. I use it just about every day and I, I love it. And I still recommend that people uh, use it, although it, it does have some disadvantages over Twitter, um, but it's still a wonderful, refreshing place. So we're going to transition into Mastodon. <clears throat> want to let um the listeners know i uh i also do not post outgoing information on twitter um anymore once in a while i'll cross post a quote or something um but i i don't put but i do check two or three times a week and i reply to whatever's you know whatever's been sent to me that's you know especially direct messages um but anything that's pertinent to sunday edition or american County, anything that i'm i'm actually working on I will reply to people as far as that is concerned. But I, I also don't feel I, I don't want Anthony Corona going to anybody else. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I also don't feel that at the moment, you know, I want to put anything content wise out there. Um, so you can still find information there. That's your primary source of Sunday edition information. Um, let's talk about Mastodon. Um, one of the things when you when you're talking about it, I definitely want you to um, re-go over instances. And if you can give a little information on Dragoncast, because I know that that's 
Um, that's one of the more popular ones for our community. But if you can give us a brief, again, a brief um, overview of Mastodon. And um, I did not know that spring release. So I'm learning two things, um, three words. I, uh, I have to get that one. And now I'm going to have to get the spring Mastodon app. But take it away, David. Sure. So um, I want to try to break this down simply because what I don't want to do is get overly technical and then have people saying, well, forget it. This is too complicated. I don't want to deal with it because that's the last thing I want. So Mastodon is similar to um, Twitter. I would not call it a Twitter clone or even a Twitter wannabe, but it has some similarities to Twitter um, in that you can quote unquote, follow people. So you can see what they are posting. And if they follow you, they will see what you're posting. Um, you can, of course, send messages out that can be viewed publicly by anyone. You can, uh, uh, on Twitter, they called it retweeting. Uh, you can do what's called boosting someone's message. So if if I find a message by someone and I want other people to see it, I can do what's called boosting it or some apps call it reblogging it. And, and that just uh, sends it out uh, from my timeline. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful platform. Uh, there are a lot of blind people that have migrated over there uh, from Twitter. Mastodon is not brand new. I think it's been around since 2014, but many of us have only heard about it last November when there was kind of this major uh, migration going on um, from Twitter. And probably a lot of that happened when the accessibility team uh, was let go. That was pretty big news. And I, as someone who is a member of an accessibility team on another company, I found that personally just devastating. Uh, I, I just felt like someone kicked me in the head. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually had to log off from work a little bit earlier when I found that out. I was just, just very, very upset about it. Um, I, I'm upset to see anybody losing their job, but especially when an entire accessibility team is just let go. Did you, just have that moment, did you have that moment that you that you know your brain was saying to yourself, all right, if he did it, who's next? You know, if Twitter uh, is getting away with this, who's gonna be next? Yeah, um, it's funny because it's funny you say that, uh, not so much with the accessibility team, but just in general, because now we're hearing about all kinds of companies letting people go. But it seemed to me, and this is probably not the case, but it seemed that Twitter was the first company that I heard to do that. So to me, it was almost like Elon Musk was setting a trend, not so much for accessibility, but just like yeah. it was almost it was almost like Apple saying, you know, oh, we're we're getting rid of the headphone jack, and then all the other tech companies are like. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get rid of the headphone jack too, and it, 
it kind of felt that way. I, I, I think, though, probably if I fact checked that and did a lot of research, I would probably find out that that is not the case. So um, I'll be happy if, if someone wants to keep me honest on that. But it seemed that way to me. Yeah, I did. I kind of yeah, was, was and, kind of seeing that happen. And I was a little bit relieved <clears throat> because Google followed suit. I, I believe it was 12,000 got laid off of Google a couple of weeks later, but they made a concerted effort to let folks know that they weren't touching their accessibility teams. And I, I remember when, I, you know, it came up as a blast, um, a New York Times blast, and mm -hmm. I opened it up and the second paragraph started with um, the, the accessibility team and, and a few others, but accessibility was the first line of the second paragraph was not being touched. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> Wow, they're paying attention. Good for Google. Um, you know, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, yeah, and I'm glad to highlight that. I, I really think Google wanted to make sure that those of us that rely on them every day for sheets, for you know, for all of the various products that we use that are quite accessible, I have to give Google a great grade on accessibility for their products. Um, yeah, most, I would agree. Mostly. You know, there are exceptions, of course. But let's get back to Mastodon. Can you... Yeah. Um, Give us the framework and then and then talk about Spring because I, if if you're saying that it's like the Twitter app, then it's going to be the app that I think people are going to want to um, experiment with. Oh, in my opinion, it's it's the star of the show. It really is. Um, it it is the app to rule all other Mastodon apps. So the challenge of mastodon and this this is probably the biggest challenge that most people are going to have. So I'm going to address it honestly and 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 try to, you know, uh, get relax people's fears about it. So with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you know, you can just go on twitter.com or facebook.com, right? And you could sign up and you're in, and it's that easy. So that's the one benefit of these big commercial platforms. The challenge is that there isn't one Mastodon website. There are a lot of them. There's, there are probably thousands of them um, that are known as servers or instances. And the one analogy that a lot of people use, and I think, I think one of the panelists used it the last time on your show, was it's kind of like email. You know, we all have email addresses from different domains like some of us, they end in gmail.com or comcast.net or, you know, uh, verizon.net or what, whatever it is, right? Outlook.com. <laughs> That's right. They're still around. Yep. And, and there, there's, there's a ton of them depending on what company you choose. But you can still send email to people on other domains so my email address is outlook.com, but I can still send an email to Gmail addresses and they can send email to me. And it's all very, um, you know, uh, it, it all uses the same language to communicate with one another. So Mastodon is kind of like that, where there are lots of different servers um, and you choose one that you want to start out with kind of like, you know, if you're going to move and you don't know where to move to, you kind of look at different communities and you find a community that you 
you like. You might want to move to a small community. You might want to move into a really large, you know, city with thousands and thousands of people. Um, everybody's different. So you start out picking a server or as they're technically called an instance and you set up an account and it's free to do that. And you can still though find people and communicate with them on other communities. So the big question then that a lot of people then want to know is, okay, fine. That's all well and good. Just, just what, give me a community. Just where can I start? And there are a few that seem to have a lot of blind people on them. And so for some of us, that may be a good place to start. Um, I think you mentioned iaccessibility.social, which is one of Michael Doeze's um, servers that he actually runs. So you could go to iaccessibility.social. The one that I'm on, and I and it, it's not that I didn't like Michael's server. I had a very specific reason for choosing it. I'm on uh, a server called, it's a very silly name, but it's tweezcake.social. So instead of cheesecake, it's T-W-E-E-S-E-C-A-K-E dot social. And um, there, there are lots of others. Um, and Dragon so it's a big one for uh, the blind and low vision community as well, right? Wh which one? Dragon cast. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Dragon's Cave Dragon's uh, dot space, I believe. Okay. And yeah, I I'm see a lot of people on this. Um, you know, and that was <clears> and I branched out. But that was it was, you know, he walked me through. That's how I got to Macedon in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you you pick a community, and again, the one that I'm on is tweezcake.social. Um, you don't have to start out with that. The reason why I moved over to that is they're using um, uh, a specific version. It's technically not the Mastodon software, but it's a um, it's it's kind of an alternate version of Mastodon. But for all intents and purposes, it it is. Um, it, it's called Hometown. The, the reason why I liked it, and for, for some who follow me, this could be good or bad, is that you actually have more of a character limit um, in your posts. So normally, I think with Mastodon, the character limit generally is 500 characters per post. But with tweezcake.social, their software allows for a 2,000 character limit. That doesn't mean that every post that I submit is 2,000 characters, but I like the flexibility yeah. of it. Um, so that was the reason why I, I chose it. Um, so once you sign up with that, uh, then you have an account. You have to choose a handle, just like you did on Twitter. So um, my handle is at, and then my full name, David Goldfield, no underlines or dashes or anything at and then uh tweezcake.social cool all right so they get their account they sign up your ref you've referenced um a few times spring um i used it for twitter so talk to us about uh, talk to us about the mastodon app 
Yeah, so there's, unlike Twitter, where you now cannot use third-party apps, and there may be a few that are still working. So someone could very well say, well, wait, my third-party app is still working. And what I would say is, enjoy it while you've got it because they're they're slowly being cut off right so with mastodon last week yeah exactly exactly um mastodon is not owned by one person or one corporation it's known as a decentralized network so you you won't have someone like you know some rich billionaire buying it out and then just totally uh changing the rules because they, it all depends on which instance or server you are on. Um, so once you set up your account, you have certain ways of finding users. Um, one thing you could start out by doing is going to what's called, oh, I'm sorry, you wanted me to talk about the apps. And I'm now I'm talking about timelines, forgive me. Um, because unlike I, that most most of the questions that came in last time and that came in afterwards was is there a centralized app where i can do everything i need to do without too much drama <laughs> um i wish i could so there 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 is and there isn't i mean there isn't a main there is a mastodon app Okay, if you really wanted to, you could look up Mastodon and download the Mastodon app. But I don't even know that that is considered an official app. Um, So there are a lot of apps with varying degrees of accessibility uh, on whatever platform you happen to be on. So on Windows, I use an app called Tweezcake. This is done by the same people that run the Tweezcake server. But you don't need to be on the Tweezcake server to use the Tweezcake app. They're two totally different things. And there's a Windows version of it, which is really wonderful. It's super accessible. And there is a Mac version of it, which I can't say very much about the Mac version because I currently don't own a Mac. Um, But uh, there actually, I think, are two Mac versions. There's one for the Intel Macs and the other one for the Silicone Macs, if you have an app with the M1 or M2 chip. Um, And you can get that by going to tweezcake.app, A-P-P. Um, so tweezcake.social is where you actually can sign up on a Mastodon server, um, or you can go to Michael's uh, server, which is very good, which is iaccessibility.social, or you can go to tweezcake.app, app to download Tweezcake for Windows or Mac. So for iOS, um, the app that I use, which is made by the same uh, developer who made Spring, it's there. He's not calling it Spring. It's now called Mona, M O N A. Now, Mona, this is a little complicated because it's not in the App Store yet. It is technically still in beta, but it is supposed to be officially released, no pun intended, in the spring. 
Um, <laughs> and because we are now in spring, I mean, I could we could hear about it any day now. So <laughs> the, the question is, so people are wondering, so how are you getting it if, if it's not available? And there are two ways you can do it. Um, both might be a little more than you might want to do if you're not used to doing it this way. Um, the way that I found it is if you have the Spring app, which of course no longer works, but if you still have the Spring app, if you go to the, um, and I forget where, it's like the about page where it gives you the version and everything. There's a link to actually download the beta of Mona. Um, if you don't have that app, um, you can get it through uh, an app called Test Flight. This this is this may be a little more involved because Test Flight is. It's not like an app store, but it's a way that developers can send you test versions of their app before they get in the app store. So you have to get a link um, to, um, to download that app. You have to open it up on your phone and you have to make sure the test flight app is installed. If you're you know, pretty comfortable doing that, that's a real piece of cake. If you're not comfortable doing that, you might be thinking, man, this is way more involved than I want to be dealing with. So if you're if you're kind of thinking that, I would say you might want to wait until Mona is officially released. Um, until then, the app that I was using what is called MetaText. It's really simple. It's M-E-T. T-A-T-E-X-T. Um, it's a very simple, super accessible app. The problem is that the developer is no longer um, working on that app due yeah. to, uh, I think, some uh, medical issues that he's having. So we don't know if someone's going to pick it up. But MetaText is a very good, simple app to start out with. There's another one called Toot. Um, and the reason why it's called toot is because posts used to be called toots. It was a term I never was very pleased with. They're starting to do, move away from that term. Um, but there is an app called toot. Uh, it's a little confusing because there are two toot apps with two different spellings. Um, but I think the one you want to look for is T-O-O-T. That was pretty accessible. And there's another one that seems to be pretty accessible. It's not my personal favorite, but it's called Ice Cubes. And uh, it's, again, an odd name. But if you go to the App Store and look up Ice Cubes uh, for Mastodon, you'll probably find it. Uh, oh, there's another one that I've used a little bit, which uh, reminds me of MetaText called uh, Tusker, T-U-S-K-E-R. Haven't used that in a few months, but when I last did, uh, it was very accessible and it reminded me a lot of MetaText. So I'm going to break in here for, for our listeners. Um, I've used MetaText. It is very, very easy. I would definitely suggest that. I also use Toot. Um, yeah. I am going to download the beta version of, of Mona. Um, I still have my Spring app, but I also am a test flight user. 
and I'll put um I'll put some updates along with my Sunday edition posts. And when Mona is released as a full version app in the App Store, we'll let everybody know. But um, I definitely I definitely also recommend MetaText as as a good starting app. Yeah, Mona to me is is just the app to use because you can do so much configuring with voiceover. It's it's crazy what what you can do with it as far as the order that you want things in and and what items do you want on the tab bar and what order do you want them in and what yeah. order do you want the rotor actions to be in and which things do you not want you can you can just really dig in and go crazy with that app and to me it's great i think the one thing that people do like about toot is i think it does some really cool notification sounds and if you're into that toot might be a good app to use but i don't care about that um so you know to me mona is as i've said a couple times it's it's the star of the show it, it is better than i could have imagined and he's very responsive to feedback uh yeah, as far too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to open it up um, for some questions. But as we collate who's got their hands up, tell them how they can receive your emails because you put out some amazing information every day. And if they're not getting it, they, sh you know, folks that are interested in tech should be. That's kind. Thanks. Um, so what Anthony is referring to is I run a list called Tech VI, which is T E C H dash vi where i send out through emails one at a time as i get them announcements about mostly blindness assistive technology with a smattering of mainstream stuff that would be of relevance or interest to many blind people um, so this can be about new software updates or articles about new products or um, uh, sometimes little tips and tricks on how to do certain things with iOS and Windows. So the way you can subscribe to it is uh, through email. You can send an email to tech, T-E-C-H, dash V-I plus, and that's the plus symbol, subscribe at groups dot io it's tech-vi plus subscribe at groups.io awesome all right sheila how many hands do we have you have one right now all right herbie hi uh, a couple things i just wanted to comment on first of all i do use tweez cake on the mac and uh, use it all the time. And it does actually still work with Twitter as well as with Mastodon. Um, it's a little, it's an interesting layout because it acts like a Windows app in some respects and it acts like a Mac app in some others. So it's a little bit interesting, but it's the same, for the most part, it's the same navigation as Windows, except that instead of your context menu, you do option M and um, that one was a bit of a surprise to me because it's not a very, traditional way of doing the context menu on the Mac, yeah. but that's how yes. it is uh, designed. So I, and uh, it, it was not actually very clear in the um, 
Manuel. I actually found out through uh, Darcy Bernard, and I bring him up also because, um, Anthony, you mentioned his uh, wonderful shortcut earlier, but um, uh, you did not mention that he does a community call every Monday on shortcuts. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, dear. Well, and uh, you'll know now because uh, he does it every Monday. It is on Zoom, it is on Clubhouse, and it is streamed. Uh, usually that one's on 6 because the blind shell call is happening on 5, but that is from at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. It is also available on the uh, podcasts, and uh, that has been going on for a couple of months now. So uh, I just thought I'd uh, mention that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I do love the, uh, I have tried out the Mona beta on um, the phone. It's really interesting because as a Mac user, I had a much easier time getting the links because we have a couple of easier things with the uh, continuity clipboard or and the cloud sharing in Safari. So I could see, you know, I had Tweezcake on the Mac well before the Mona beta came out so I could get the link that way. And it was a bit of a challenge for me to help a Windows user to get the uh, link so I don't know if there's an easy way for Windows users to uh, do that or not. I just had to text them the link, and that worked out well for them. But uh, I thought that was a little bit um, interesting. And I uh, still need to try out the Mona Beta for Mac as well. And actually, that does bring me to a quick question. Have you tried out the – oh, you don't have a Mac, so you can't I don't out. own a Mac. I have not used no. a Mac in, okay. in quite some time. I, gonna... I get tempted uh, to, to, to get one. And it kind of calls out to me, uh, but so you far, no, I'm kind of a Windows person. Like, yeah, don't, I don't, don't, don't hold back. Get the Mac, and uh, <laughs> I'll put you into a lot of great resources where you can uh, get some help, and you will not regret it. I, I assure you. Um, and yeah, so uh, get one today. Okay, I'm done. All right, Sheila. Did any other hands come up? No, no, sir. All right. Well, I want to remind everybody in just a little over an hour is the listening session uh, put on by MCAC, um, IDC of California and BPI. You can find that information on the community call list. David, um, give the information again one more time for um, your tech list and then we will say goodbye everyone. Sure. And thanks again for having me. This was really fun. Um, so... I'll give you two things. Uh, my my website is just my name, which is davidgoldfield.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-G-O-L-D-F-I-E-L-D.com, um, where there is a link to my Mastodon uh, handle. And uh, for those who want to follow me on Mastodon, I'm, I'm at, at davidgoldfield at tweezcake.social. And to subscribe to TechVI, um, and I really should have this more prominently on my website. Uh, that's in need of an overhaul. So I'm going to be working on that. So you can send an email to tech, T-E-C-H, dash V-I. Uh, that's for visually impaired, tech dash V-I, the plus symbol, the word subscribe at groups.io. All right, everyone, I will be back next week with a great show. We're going to be talking to the developers of OKO. Um, and if you have not gotten the app, go to the app store and type in OKO. It'll say OKO for the blind or something to that effect and start using it at your pedestrian crossings. I have a surprise for the beginning of the show. You'll find out what that surprise is. 
towards the end of the week when I start putting the blasts out, but it's something you're definitely going to want to experience. So look forward to Sunday edition next week. And I will see you all throughout the community this week. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sunday edition. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Chanel. Thank you, Janine. And of course, thank you so much, David. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.